are listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. In this sermon series, we started off, Marty started off a sermon series dealing with the 10 sayings, as he mentioned, or, or, or this idea of culture shock, like God's values and our world. And, and so to me, they're like, hey, do you want your one-off life group, even though we're going to call it care group, Darby? Anyway, um, do you want to remain in that? I'm like, yes, I want to remain in that because I believe the Ten Commandments are super relational, or the ten sayings are super relational. The first four are getting this relationship right, the vertical relationship right. The, the next six are getting the horizontal. I find that my neighbors like me more when I don't steal from them, when I don't kill them, and when I don't covet all their stuff. You know, I don't know. It just works better for me living with people that way. And so for me, our culture and our value at real life is real relationships. So you have sermon notes. You may follow along. I encourage you to follow along in your sermon notes because when you go to your life group, you will be more prepared because you have looked at your sermon notes. So Marty shared last week, if you were not there, I encourage you to check it out. It's, uh, it's my top favorite one of Marty, but I've only been here for a year. Like, Darby, there's way better ones. I'm sure there are, but I like that one. Um, and anytime Marty almost says a cuss word, um, I like it. Um, if you're like, what? He almost said a cuss word? Take a look and listen to it, actually. Um, but it was cool. Um, I'll try not to do that, though I have a past because I have a tattoo. You can see it. Anyway, um, I hate it when I say stupid stuff and it just comes out, and there it is. You just can't go back. Anyway, uh, real relationships. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. This is what Marty shared from. I'm going to share it again, but I want you to pay attention to some things here. And God spoke all these words, which is cool because God started and initiated this relationship. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. We're going to stay there for a second. When you hear the word you and your, I want you to close your mind, your eyes for a second. Think in your mind, who's there? You and your. As Pacific Northwestians, as Americans, we tend to think that is first person singular, that you're the only one. But really, this is God speaking to a people group. It's an all y'all scenario. It's not just you, it's you plural. And the English language makes that fail for us lots of times because we think and I've seen it, I've been throughout America, worked at different churches, worked in different ministries, we think that we're the only ones here sometimes. Like, it's just me. All I need is me and my Bible. All I need is me. And I would say, no, that is not correct. These 10 things are saying, no, you need this relationship and you need this relationship to go well. That God really cares about relationship. He cares about all y'all. And that if you don't see your faith as an all-y'all scenario, you're missing out. You weren't meant 
to be a lone ranger. You weren't meant to be on your own. And it's part of the way we're designed. So, so there's this quote that I, that I came across that says, we were made from a life-giving relationship for life-giving relationships. We were made from a life-giving relationship. God in the Trinity created us for relationship. And when we think, I don't need that, someone's wrong, either you or God. Anyway, I'll I'll let you think about that a little bit. You're not the only person here. It's an all y'all. Okay, so let's take a look at that. It's one of my my favorite early passages in Genesis. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Look at that. Us, our image, and our likeness. There's the Trinity discussing this thing, and it's this beautiful, life-giving relationship that goes, let's, because we're alive and not just caring for one another, we're going to create life, and that from that life, that life will multiply and move on from us, and that, that let us make man and our image and our likeness and mankind so that they may rule over the fish and all the people like, yep, me in a fishing pole and Jesus, that's all I need. Um, Fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all of our hunters that like to shoot birds. I don't have any Greg stories to make you feel guilty about that. But, uh, but, but in the wild animals, we had some people come back with some, uh, Successful hunting experiences were like, yeah, just me and those things. That's all we need. And all the creatures that move along the ground. But we were made from a relationship for a relationship. And when we're not in that situation, that's not good. So here we are in Genesis. And in Genesis, a lot of things start because Genesis means like beginnings and whatever. So anyone, oh yeah, I forgot to say the Tove Mayod part, the part that we all like, because we're like, yeah, God's making us. And then, and then he says it's real good. So let's look at that um, in Genesis 1.31. God saw all that he was made, and it was very good. So everything else was just, yeah, it's good. And then he made us, and he's like, well, that's real good. That is real good. That is Tove Mayod. So, so you can feel good about yourself because you are an individual, but you are also an all y'all. So, and it's good. But in Genesis, being the beginning book, being the first book, there's a lot of first things. Anyone know what the first, like, tragedy, the first mess up, the first uh, thing that just um, isn't good, the first negative, the first really good, not good thing? Anyone know what that is? Don't blurt it out. This is a rhetorical question. Anyone know what that is? A lot of people think Genesis, it's got to be original sin, right? Like, the, the first you know, the garden and all that stuff. No, there's actually something that happened before that that God said wasn't good. Take a look at Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good, no tov meod, not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. It's not good that you're alone. Was Adam alone? No. 
There's scripture that says before that they're cruising around, just Adam and, and the Lord cruising around the garden in the cool of the day. It's like, yeah, hangout time. What does that say about all of you who said, I don't need anybody else? All I need is God, my Bible, and y'all. That's not good. We're meant to be in community. And it's not good when you're not in community. I've said it before. I said it, I'll say it again every time I talk about relationships. This morning, I was reminded of it. As I'm trying to eat better and healthier and whatever, I was like, I did this. I'm like, grabbed it and pulled it off. The banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. It is not good that you are alone. The banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. That's probably the only thing, like, I have no idea what that guy said, but that's kind of funny. Okay, and you may remember that. So don't be the banana is what I'm saying, okay? So real life, we have a culture, and we have values, and our, and our values here are seen in our vision statement and in our mission statement. Our vision statement says, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. That we, are, we want to see people. We want to see them. We want to hear them. We want to understand them. And it's one person at a time. It's an eyeball to eyeball. It's, it's a relational aspect there. How do we do that? Our mission explains how we do that. Creating biblical disciples through relational environments. Creating biblical disciples through relational environments. And you're like, creating biblical disciples? You mean the guys with the halos? And that, no. If it helps you, throw out the word disciple and, and, and put in the word apprentice. What does an apprentice do? They follow someone and they try to emulate what that person's doing. So like, how do we help people apprentice after Jesus? How do we do that? We believe that Jesus' method was also blessed, not just his message. Jesus' method was blessed, not just his message. How did Jesus do it? Twelve people, super rando people, not necessarily going to get along or vote the same way kind of people. And they tried to get along, and they did life together. And they, they, they were his twelve disciples, like, and, and, and they'd be like, Jesus, we're only going to call it a care group, okay? He's like, no, this is my life group. We're doing life together wherever we do, wherever we go. And he's like, no, Jesus, we're only going to call it a home group. He's like, we don't even have a home. Do you not know that verse? Like, there's, there's rocks and there's birds. They don't have homes. You don't, you know, come on, homie, follow me. Okay, so where they were and did life, that was the mission. That is why we do life groups. And there's this passage known as the Great Commandment. I feel like I've already shared it, and I'll probably share it again. But I want us to get it. It's, it's this thing where it talks about, sort of sums up, the ten sayings of the Ten Commandments, but it does it in two commandments. And that's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So, so again, that's that vertical 
relationship that a lot of us are like, all I need is this, right? And there's some, there's some life groups that like all they have is this and very little of this. But we always, we always are some, one or the other. And, and so like wherever you're at, if you're like, all I need is this, no, the banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. You need community. You're a sitting duck. So, so there's this loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And there's another side of that same coin. Another side of that same coin is loving your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Like you could do, think of those 10 sayings if you know them. If not, they're in Exodus chapter 20. Um, and go, hey, does this line up with what this says? Yes, I will not be coveting my neighbor's stuff if I'm loving them. Well, it's two sides of the same coin. You can't love God well if you're mean to all the people. If you're mean to God, you definitely won't be loving people well either. And you'll just be a grumpy grump all over the place and no fun for anyone. And you will not be a life group or a life giver. You'll be a life taker, a life stinker, a life, anyway, taker, we'll say. So I believe that you could sum up life groups. What, okay, what is this life group thing here? It's a place where we try to connect with a real God. When we connect with a real God and we connect with real people throughout the week, because you're here for a little bit of time. You're there on your couch for a little bit of time. You're, you're there. But we live life every day of the week. And when real life happens, when real life happens, whether it's a joy or it's a pain, that your go-to move would be, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to go to my community. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to go to these relationships. That that is your go-to move you are becoming a disciple, which if you don't like the word disciple because it freaks you out, then you're becoming an apprentice of Jesus, that you are following in his steps when real life happens, that you are there and that you are taking those steps. So the ladies yesterday, ladies, Coffee Connection ladies, you hear in the house? Whoop, whoop. There it was, front row. All right, so... In the house, ladies. Anyway, um, so they are doing this uh, study. It's a cool study. I, I, I listened to the book. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's from Jeannie Allen. It says, get out of your head. But, but what she says there is something that I think is super important for us to really believe, that we must be known in order to be healthy. We want to be seen we want to be heard, and we want to be understood. And if you are not, you will hide, you will be the banana, and you will not go well for you. My banana, there's not much of it left. There's a peel, but it got thrown away. We want to be healthy, and we believe that health comes from small groups. Those small groups here at Real Life are called life groups, and if you call them care groups or home groups, you're still my friend, and I'll still be your friend, and I will not correct you. And you do not need to say, oh, sorry, Darby. It, uh, and another thing, like if you cuss around me, you don't need to apologize for that either. That's, between, that's that relationship that you need to figure out, not this relationship in that case. 
But in this case, it's not a cuss word for you to call it a care group or a home group. You, you may still do that. And in time, you'll get on board. But we have a great short video with a little bit of humor coming up. And then we're going to have a panel discussion. But we have a great video of a young couple who connected with a life group and got to experience that. Why don't you take a look at that? Bryce and this is my husband Logan. We are the Jooks and this is our fourth year coming to real life. He went to Pullman Real Life for about two years and I've been coming to Moscow for four. We've been part of a life group for coming up on a year now. We started last fall. Uh, We got married last uh, summer in July and we started going to home group I think in probably September or October of last year. The atmosphere for me has changed since joining a life group because now I know I know people that aren't my age and I know people that have kids and I know people who are retired and I I feel like I know my church and I don't just walk in feeling like someone who just shows up to watch the sermon and leaves. Having having a life group that's multi-generational gives us a lot of wisdom uh, on different stages of life that we're going to be going through. We've had people in our life group uh, experience that have been older, that have just retired, people that have young kids, older kids, um, and even college-age students like ourselves. And so it's been uh, just really impactful to see a lot of different stages of life in one room and being able to learn different perspectives on scripture and, uh, and experiences and, and gain wisdom in that way. I would even say for someone who's been a Christian my whole life, this was the first time that I was able to take ownership of my faith outside of my parents' faith. Um, And joining a life group allowed me to do that and create relationships that weren't just ones that I had walked into or stepped into. They allowed me to create my own. Being in a life group has impacted our marriage just by giving it a foundation, um, something that's solid and and there's an element of consistency to it. Um, And so it's... It's just been cool to know that every Monday evening we get to connect with with our people and we get to share life together, whether it's the highs and the lows, um, and even connecting with a group of guys specifically outside of that to talk about challenges and the celebrations and um, just being able to, to share that part of it and having that foundation has been really impactful. Something that I'm looking forward to is being on the front side of life groups and not being a newcomer for the first time and now having the opportunity to welcome people in who were more than likely in our spot that we were in this time last year and just reaffirming them that this is so life-giving and so worth it and the people that you're going to meet are going to be lifelong friends and family. I just like to know. I haven't said home group or care group yet. I'm really, I'm bought in here. You said one time. Oh, did I? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Good try, honey. Good try. (laughs) Like I said, uh, there might be some grace for a little bit uh, for for the the care group and the home group. Um, So I wanted to create a relational environment for all y'all. And see a little bit what it might be like, but, but we have some superheroes up here, some awesome people, some uh, life group facilitators. But what I'd like us to do to start off is just introduce ourselves, what night our life group was, and maybe a win or an experience you had that was super meaningful to you. And I will start because I don't want you to feel on the spot because a good facilitator might do that every now and again. All right, um, my name is Darby Anderson still, and I uh, have a life group that meets at 615 
um, and Mondays in Pullman. It's like way over on the other side of the border. Um, but if you're on the other side of the border on the Palouse, because we are real life on the Palouse, you are more than welcome to join our posse on Monday night at 6.15. And a win for me with a small group situation. Last year, um, I was in, I, yeah, I was part of the sermon things. We were coming up with the sermons, and I was in meetings where we were talking about sermons and sermons and sermons and sermons. And I'm like, oh, I got all this. I got all this. And then there was this one time where I feel like it wasn't until these men in my group shared how that sermon impacted them that God was saying, and that was for you, Darby. And you would not have gotten that in your little sermon club. You would not have gotten that in your little, I, all I need is me and Jesus. Uh, no, I needed to remain to my bunch, and my bunch helped me get a bunch more out of it. Adam, how about you? Uh, my name is Adam McKeldry. My wife, Kathy, and I are going to be starting a brand new group starting on Wednesday nights, 645. We are wide open for anybody who is not in a group, and it will be the best group that real life has ever seen. Second best. <laughs> in Moscow. Um, yeah, I, I've been in life groups for Oh man, like 14 years my wife and I have been experiencing life groups, so we've had a ton of great experiences serving with people and uh, serving people when they're going through, you know, really crummy situations in their life. Probably the most impactful thing that I can think of would be, and it's been nine years ago now, my brother-in-law died, and our home group, life group, care group, I don't remember what church, it was in Montana, so it was probably a care group. Um, that group of people that we had just really started to do life with came around us in one of our most difficult times in our family, loved on us, brought us meals, and I had experienced doing that for other people up to that point, but being on the receiving end was just one of those moments was like, this is why we do what we do, Adam. This, that was God was saying that. This is why we do what we do. Because we don't do life alone. Cool. Annie? Uh, my name is Annie, and we also have the best home group in Garfield, actually. <laughs> my husband and I lead a home group in Garfield, and we've been doing that for about a year and a half. Um, and I think the most life-giving experience we've had is maybe not just one experience, but the you know, accumulation of all of the little experiences that we've had together, you know, kind of walking through some of the life's ups and downs and just watching us grow closer to each other in friendships and that spurring each other on to go closer to God. And I just think that that's really exciting to watch and see overall. So that would be what I'd have to say. Awesome. So if someone's in Garfield, if you're one of the 12, in Garfield. Uh, no, if you're in Garfield or Palouse, they can connect with your group on Sunday nights. Is yep. that right? Sundays at 630. Cool. Guys? I'm Kelsey Hebert, and uh, Lucas is my co-group leader. We are Jesus and Tacos. We are Monday nights at 630. Come and find us. We'll feed you. It'll be great. But tomorrow is going to be a potluck, so that'll be interesting. Anyway, um, my favorite part of life group is when there's somebody that's like, there's always that person that's like more the listener than the talker, more like the, not quite the fly on the wall, but like the kitten curled up in the corner, you know? And uh, 
this happened last year. There's a person that he didn't talk much, but what he did, it was really profound. And uh, there was one night where he just like opened up about this thing that had been bugging him for like 20 years. And he just started talking about it. And that moment where he finally felt comfortable enough to trust the other 12 people in the group to share something really personal. It's stuff like that that makes me really glad to be part of this kind of stuff. So. And I'm Lucas, uh, Monday night, 6.30, Jesus and Tacos, we rock. Uh, I'd say for me, uh, when I first started coming to home groups, it was right when I got in the church, and I was uh, just coming out of drug and alcohol abuse. And so getting to a life group was all about you know, surrounding myself with new people and just you know, really beginning a new life and trying to just move in the right direction. So that was, I guess, what you would call a win, right? For sure,sies. So now we're going to let these two facilitators facilitate a discussion by asking us some questions similar to the questions, the discussion igniters you'll find in your notes each week. You could be prepped by looking at your notes, but they are not in your notes this week. If you're like going, what? These questions aren't in my notes. These are going to be their questions about life groups. So go ahead, guys. I taped mine into my notes so that you can relate, so that it's personable. You see what I did? Okay. So my first question, I'm going to direct it to Annie. What happens in a life group, and what does it look like? Sure. Yeah, at our life group, um, usually we all have kids. So the first thing is to get the kids settled. And sometimes when Awana was up and running, we'd take them to Awana. Other times we'll have a babysitter in another room. Um, But we get the kids settled, and then we grab coffee or a snack, and we just visit and talk for a little bit. And then we all come together, usually in the living room, and um, usually my husband and I will pray, and then we do like an icebreaker just to kind of lighten the mood and have a little fun. And then we jump into the sermon notes and the questions. We answer those. We spend quite a bit of time on there. Um, And then... Sometimes we facilitate, other times we let other people in the group will have a turn facilitating, and that's been a good experience. Um, but then we move into prayer requests, and then we pick up the kids. So we go, 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 but we get in deep fast. Cool. Is your group one of the groups that, when it comes to prayer time, do the guys and gals go and that maybe have more vulnerability and be honest, more honest in their prayer time? Yeah, we've done both, actually. We started off doing all together, and then um, more recently when we were in person, we were able to split into different groups, and that was really a cool experience to just feel like the ladies could share a little bit more openly what was on their hearts, and then the guys can relate to one another in a little bit of a different way, and so I really like doing that, and I think we should keep doing it. Yeah, some of the guys are like praying for Traeger grills and stuff like that. I don't know. Yes, definitely. (laughs) All right, um, Adam, what would you say to someone who said, well, I've tried one once. I would say they haven't tried my group. Uh, seriously. Um, no. So one thing I know is that not everybody gets along with everybody, right? Like, I may not be your kind of weird. You got to go and find your kind of weird. Like, Darby's really weird, so that's a great place to start. Um, But just keep trying, you know. I I tell our groups when we start out every year, like, this may not fit for you. That's okay. You're not locked in here. You can do a quarter with us. You can do one night with us. It doesn't matter. Find the group of people that you click with that you can do life with. Yeah, I mean, I'm on my third home group. Um, I think it's just about, you know, finding people that have the same interests and passions. So, you know, you can do life together. 
Good. Um, I'm going to direct this question to Darby. Darby, what is this year's life group intentions for you? So yeah, we, we've been working through a book called Sticky Church, and you're like, hmm, sounds sticky. Um, yes, it's the idea is that if we take care of our people well, that we don't need to have a bunch of programs. And, and so like, we're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, we have life groups. And we have, what else do you have? You know, we have Monday night groups. So what else do you have? Oh, we have Tuesday night groups. You know, we have Sunday night groups too. And, and so the idea is, is that if we do life well together, that we will take care of, of one another. And in this book, all of our facilitators supposedly read it, and if not, they're going to be reading it now because the guilt and shame of the Lord is upon them. Anyway, but they came, and all summer long, we had relational environments called barbecues, and we talked about, hey, what should we do? What should we focus on? And this is what we're going to be doing for the next three years is rolling out three intentional things. And your facilitators said the three intentional things is, One being intentional about apprenticing, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. And if you're like, what is this apprentice thing? Um, You can use the word disciple if it doesn't scare you. But, But helping people intentionally take their next steps. Another thing, because we've been in this COVID world, is trying to have fun. Like... I don't know about you, but sometimes life doesn't feel very fun for me. And then today or yesterday, I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, California caught me. It's full of smoke here. And I thought I I had escaped, but here it is. But anyway, but trying to have fun together with one another. And then the third thing is serving together or doing something of teamwork, but also first looking within our groups to, to, to see if we could care for one another in our groups uh, our life groups, if, if, if there's any needs there, and then from there, the natural bridges that we have from lives connected from our life groups. So apprenticing, fun, and serving together. Mm, you can care if you want. I'll care. Uh, so the last question is, why discussion igniters, also known as implications, also known as questions for the week? We've gone through a lot. And uh, I'm going to take this one. I love... I love discussion igniters because you never know where this one little question is going to take the conversation. Like, it'll go off on a rabbit trail into a flood next to, like, a Tyrannosaurus. You never know. But it's fantastic because that's the way connections are formed. The random parts bring everybody together. Um, And for those that are, you know, more straightforward, it helps, you know, develop questions about the sermon and what you heard and you know, you can take a more traditional calm approach on that too. So, um, yeah, question igniters, they, uh, they lead you from one spot to another. Yeah. And they, they aren't, they're meant to just start the discussion. And if we weren't in fire season, discussion igniters are a great, great name, but right now they don't feel like, what, you're starting fires. Um, we're not starting any fires. Um, but the idea is that, you, you, you create space for us to connect with God and connect with each other through those questions, and, and God can take those discussions lots of places. And the reason we do sermon-based um, life groups is because you all have already done your homework by being here. 
you all online have done your homework by listening and hopefully not being distracted by your pets or your kids crawling around or whatever it is. But you, you have already put in some time so that when it comes time, you bring your handy-dandy notes with your answers written in it, and you're like, I have something to say. Yeah, People are like, what? I'm supposed to actually know what I'm going to say before I arrive? I dare you to try it. Um, you will feel more prepared, and then you won't have to go on uh, those crazy roads. But um, are there any more questions? We're good? All right. So one of the things that almost all of our life groups do from one time to the other, you guys have a meal every week, almost-ish, every single week. Not an ish. They are not an ish. It's like, don't even add the ish. And do you got you guys have meals every now and again? We usually just do coffee and snacks, and then we'll yeah. get together um, every once in a while, and you know we'll have a meal together where everybody brings something. Yep, it is fun to partake and, and hang out. So, like our group, we, we uh, every once in a while for our fun time, there's usually food. Um, a pot providence is what we call it. With yeah, anyway, anyway, and I'm sure it's. COVID and fine um, if we all make our food and then bring it. Um, but you're saying your best group in Moscow doesn't ever have food involved? Is that what you're shaking your head? No, we always have snacks. Uh, yeah. And coffee. Okay. Okay, I'm just, just saying. We anyway. do dinners on fun nights like right. Annie's group. Right, right, right. So you do. You actually have fun over food. Yeah. Cool. And that leads us to, I don't know if it was fun, but Jesus and his group, they got together and they do this thing where we remember the Lord's um, sacrifice. And, and when we get together around food, when we come together with Jesus being our common denominator around food, it's, I'm hopeful that in our life groups, we will also take communion from time to time. So if you have your communion elements, I encourage you to fumble with them. And I don't know how I'm going to do this one-handed with a mic, but I should have thought about this before I came up here. Um, for all of you who are like, man, these things are ridiculous. I, I feel your pain right now. Anyway, um, but yeah, we, we in life groups in the past have taken communion together, encourage you to do it with your life groups, but we're going to go ahead and take communion now. Um, but I believe, Lucas, you're going to read the, the first passage there. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the Lord. In the same way, he took the cup and said, This is the blood of my covenant, which has been given for you. Whenever you take and eat and drink, do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. Lord, we give you thanks that... You came to uh, give us life and to give our lives meaning and purpose and direction. And you came and you didn't just uh, hang out in the corner with the Father, that you created your own group of people, that you did real life together. Help us to be the church. Um, help us to follow you and take our next steps in following you in faith. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.